0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. I'll study. We are in... Exodus chapter 12, and starting with verse 15, we're dealing with unleavened bread. As we get started this morning, I think it's real important that you understand and that you get an understanding, the knowledge of what what unleavened or leaven is and what bread is, because to tell you the truth, I could probably spend a few days doing a Bible study about this, because it is important to understand the process by which God set out. Uh, that they would celebrate the beginning of salvation. And remember, salvation is the saving of our souls. And that's very important because our souls are what God desires a relationship with. He gives us a new human spirit. That spirit is perfect. It communes with his spirit in in our hearts. And that's where our soul is. It communes with our spirit. And so we have a We have an intimate relationship with God, but our soul or our will, and that's the best way for me to describe what your soul does. The Father is represented when we think of the Trinity and ourselves and how we are made in the image of God. The Father's will, the Father is that represents the will of God. The Son's the physical manifestation of God, and the Spirit's the power and the presence of God in the world. And so, also, our spirit is the power and presence of literally God. In our bodies, our soul is our will, our mind, and our heart, our intellect, and our passions. And then our bodies, our flesh, is the physical manifestation of us. I guess that's the best way to say it. Our bodies are our physical manifestation. And when you understand that, your flesh is very important. And that flesh has to be rejected. That flesh has to be set aside so that your heart and your mind, so that your will can be transformed from your will to God's will, from your purposes to God's will. Now, does that mean that you lose your will? No. What it means is you subjugate your will. You place your will in a secondary position. Salvation is a process of learning to follow after God's will and ways and reject your own sinful wills and will and way. And our flesh is what's got to be well, removed from the equation because our flesh is just really uncontrollable. In fact, the Bible uses the word lust to describe how our flesh reacts to sin and reacts to stimuli, which is sin. Our flesh just chases after sin, and it, and oftentimes the way that flesh actually begins to chase after sin is when we're young, when we're really young. And that's why oftentimes Scripture will call our chasing after the flesh our youthful lust, meaning the lust of the flesh that we gained when we were young, when we were children, when we were young adults, when we were teenagers, when we're trying to figure out our lives, our flesh just chases after sin. And Jesus is God made flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us, which means he's, the, he's God in the flesh with no sin. The Bible calls him in Hebrews the second Adam, and what does that mean? That means that he was the second man who walked the earth, who was was perfect not only in his will, meaning his will was under the will of the Father, he was perfect in that he had a spirit, but he also was perfect in that his flesh was sinless. His flesh did not have sin in it. Now you say, what does that got to do with unleavened bread? In scripture, and this is one of those that's just it's a knockout. It's not even hard to figure out. You just look at it, and it's, there it is. If anywhere you see leaven or what we would call today, if you were going to the grocery store to buy it, yeast, if any time you see leaven or yeast in scripture, it is always related to the sin of the flesh. It is always. It, there's just no question about it every time you look in in scripture leaven or yeast and oftentimes depending on your translation they'll translate it yeast in 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 the old testament it usually uses leaven because it's in context of leavened bread but oftentimes in jesus's parable he'll just talk about yeast the yeast of the pharisees yeast in your bread uh, working its way through the whole dough you'll see him using that terminology. And what it means is it is the yeast. Now, uh, Jesus is the bread of life. And uh, in fact, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we celebrate his sacrifice of his flesh on the cross. And in in all actuality, bread is a picture of our flesh. And if you think about it, there's a lot of people who don't like this or like that. I don't like meat or I don't like vegetables. And that would be me. And some people, amazingly, there's a lot of people that don't like fruit. Crazy. don't like. There's people out there that don't like nuts. There's people out there who who maybe don't like pastas. They don't like that. There's a lot of people who don't like a lot of oils and things like that that you put in your food. But let me tell you something. I, I'm not running into many people who don't like bread. I'm telling you, bread is unbelievable, isn't it? Isn't it fabulous? It's just fabulous. And and m- one of my favorite types of bread is the yeast roll because it's just so good. It's so fluffy and yet thick. It's fabulous, isn't it? And uh, and yeast is the primary, primary ingredient that makes it so good. And your flesh, boy, it loves sin. It sure does. And it is so hard to deal with that. People who deal with addiction, I see it all the time, that whatever they're addicted to has just taken over their flesh. And that can be in all kinds of ways. That can be a chemical addiction. It can be addiction to something in the world. Even some people are addicted to to not eating bread and working out. And at times that you have, especially among females, but even among males, people who who are addicted to starving their body and that is an illness of it in and of its and and it can oftentimes kill you and the addictions of the flesh are so numerous there's sexual aspects to addiction there's addictions of of all kinds of ways that we chase after our flesh and those addictions are powerful those those the sin of the flesh is powerful it is I, powerful it's powerful that's it's just it's so strong and that's why the bible says that we're to flee you for lust we can't really fight it what we got to do is get away from it we got to remove it from our lives we got to get it out of our lives and get it out of our get the possibility removed so much that there's just no way for us to entertain it anymore and I found that out as, a, as an attorney and represent people who have especially chemical addictions. You just got to get them, not only do you have to get them away from the substance, but oftentimes you have to even get them away from the environment in which they were getting those substances. Because if they come back to that environment, they'll always go back to those substances. And so you can see how powerful that is. And uh, you can have you, you can have a lot of grace and and you can have a lot of understanding for people who, who get into those positions because they just, it just takes over. And they have To get totally away from it. They have just removed themselves from those, even those environments that cause that. When we're celebrating Jesus and when we're trying, because remember, this is the beginning of the salvific process. We don't do anything for, we don't do anything to be born again, but the salvific process is a process of beginning to reject our flesh and reject our own will and choose God's will. And so obviously you have a conversion experience. You have an experience where you actually make that decision. That's what I want to do. We call that repenting or being converted. And when that happens, when you repent and turn toward God and make a decision that you're going to receive, you're going to receive the will of God. You're going to accept that as your will now. You're going to accept God's plan for you and his purpose for your life. When you do that, what you're saying is you've got to reject your flesh. And like I said, that's real hard. And if you'll notice, even in the celebration of the Passover, even in the celebration of the Passover, which is them being delivered from Egypt, which is delivered from the world and begin the process of learning God and going to the promised land. And in fact, these instructions are instructions that tell us not only what they're supposed to be doing, but they're pictures of how God is so that they can be instructed as to who he is and how he operates. When you look at these pictures that are all, they're perfectly right there, that God says, there's some things we want you to do. Now, the things that they wanted them to do, it's not important. The It is important that they do them, but it's also important that they see and understand what's going on. On. He says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, which means there needs to be a complete period of time where you go off of any sin, meaning you stay away from it so much that it, there's no possibility that it can get into your flesh. You separate yourself from it. It's a complete separation from sin. He says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the first day, you shall remove the leaven from your houses. Notice, you can't just not have, not have the yeast the yeast. In in the bread, you have to remove it from your houses. Oftentimes, I know for sure when Kathleen and I are definitely going on a diet, and we'll talk about it every once in a while, going on a diet, we're going we're gonna to cut back, we're going to do right, we're going to eat right. And it really's is not a diet. It's just eating right. It's doing the right thing. And I can tell when Kathleen really means business about it because the thing that she removes from the house that, that's no longer in the house anymore, she don't bring it in anymore, it's chocolate. I'm telling you, that woman loves some chocolate. And it's her favorite It's her favorite indulgence. She And she don't have to have a lot, but she needs a little taste of chocolate all the time. And if we're going to be on a diet, she can't be eating no chocolate. You can't. And I don't understand because chocolate is, it's a plant. Can we, if we're going to do a plant-based diet, can't we eat chocolate? Apparently not. Apparently it's against the rules. I, you say it's got sugar in it. Sugar comes from sugar cane. That's plant too. And so apparently it's not totally a plant-based diet. It's some plants and not others. Anyway, so as you're, Thinking about this, you got to realize you got to get the leaven totally out. You got to get away from it. And for young Christians, that's very important. For young believers who are trying to begin to figure out who God is and begin to walk with God, they got to get away from the sin. And you'll see that so many times. You'll see people come to church and they're searching and they're struggling. And boy, they hear the Spirit of God. They feel the Spirit of God. They begin to chase after the Spirit of God. And, but they don't change their life at all. It doesn't fundamentally alter their life. They don't have that real conversion where they turn from this world and chase after God, and they just go back the next week and do the same thing, and then it just doesn't seem like it's as good as it was before. That's that seed that falls in the shallow ground. It springs up quickly, and it seems like it's really fired up, but then it's really not. And when the sun comes up, it burns it out. It doesn't have any roots to or any strength about it. And so you see that going on with this unleavened bread. For whoever eats the leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Why? Why such a stark thing? Why does God say if you eat leaven during that seven days, you're cut off from Israel? Because you can't. You're never going to find God's will and still indulge in sin. I say that all the time. So many people want to have God's will. You really want to know what God's plan is for your life, but you don't want to cut yourself off from the things that are causing you not to walk in that plan. When you fail to do that, you there's just no way for you to chase after God's will and chase after the world. You can't love two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. And let me tell you something. If you're indulging your flesh in sin, and you're trying to chase after God, your flesh is going to drag you away every time. It's going to do it all the time. And so you can't do that. You got to remove it. You got to get it out. He says, he says, on the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. That's a, that's a really fancy way of saying there's going to be a time of, of, of one of those, one of those deep where the Holy Spirit moves movement in the church. It's going to be a get together and worship God. And we're gonna we're gonna r- realize that we're in the presence of a holy God, and that really is a picture of that moment when you realize that you're in the presence of God, and you are converted, you're changed, you repent, and uh, a lot of people in, in in modern day Christianity call it this you're saved yeah but salvation that is the beginning of salvation it is and it's the beginning of being saved but salvation is a process and your conversion experience is a conversion experience is a time where you really set your heart and your mind on chasing after god that experience that first time that happens is a holy convocation it's an important time for you And he says, and on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you too. Notice when you get to a place where you really have cut yourself off from the world, to cut yourself off from sin, you know God's will and you're beginning to chase after that will. That's a holy time too. And we experience that a lot in our lives when we really set our hearts on the things that are of God and set aside the things of this world. And I've seen that happen on a lot of people in our church over the last few years. And I, and I am so excited for them because they have reached a place where they really are tools in the kingdom. They're, they're actually they're actually warriors in the kingdom of God and they have weapons they have the weapon of faith and the sword of the spirit they have the word of God they know the God's word and they know they know they know how to trust him with that word and, and they know how to use it and they're different they're different and the reason is because they cut themselves off from sin they repented and they turned toward him and now they know him they know him perfectly he says no matter of work shall be done on them notice notice that you can't do physical you can't do works of the flesh and be cut off from unleavened bread it is not you have to learn how to do works of the spirit and what do you mean by that can they be can they they look the same sometimes yeah they do but remember works of the spirit are the things that are being led by the spirit oftentimes people say i just share my faith with everybody and maybe that's your, maybe you're an evangelist. Or maybe that's what your God's called you to do. And that's great. But a lot of people will share their faith with people who do not want to hear it. I just mama, I'm tired of hearing that from you. What that means is the spirit's trying to tell you that they're not listening right now. And your work is just a work for your own benefit to make you feel good about your faith and to make you feel good about what you're doing. And it's not really for the purpose of kingdom work. It's for the purpose of making you feel good. And that's a work of the flesh. Works of the spirit are spirit led works. They're not physical works. They're actually, I'm going to do the work that God has called me to do. And uh, he directs me in that labor, not that I do it myself. Remember, if God calls me to work, I am joining him in his work. And if I'm going to join, it's not your work. It's his work that has been made available to you to join him in. And if you're going to join him in that work, you have to be led by him, and it, you can't go long ranger on God and expect that it's going to work itself out because it's not. You're not going to be sowing seeds of the spirit. You're going to be sowing seeds of your own flesh. And boy, that's hard to figure out. And so what is required to figure that out? You need to have a holy congregation and set yourself apart and get the, unle- get the leaven or the sin out of your house, get it out of your bread, get it out of your life and let God begin to teach you how to do that. And the only way to do that is get it gone. You got to get the, you got to get the leaven out. Jesus is the unleavened bread. When we eat of him, because remember, he's the perfect manifestation of God's will in the earth. He's the physical represent- representation of God in the earth. And so when we eat of him, when we partake of him, his flesh, his word, his revelation of God, when we partake of that, we partake of the spirit and we partake of flesh or bread that is without sin. He says, he says, so you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on the same day, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout all your generations as an everlasting ordinance. What he's saying is this is the process. This is how you do it. This is how things need to be done. Now it's going to be a a great fellowship time. It's going to be, it's going to be a great celebration for the children of Israel. Well, it's going to be a great feast for them for generations after generations. But remember, the symbolism, the purpose of it, how it relates to actually living your life is also important. Not just the celebration, but the living. Sunday morning's great, but Sunday morning needs to inform how I live Monday through Saturday. And so we gotta have all of it together. We can't just have parts of it together. He says, in the first month of the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. And that's, he's giving them the time frame and we celebrate Passover and we celebrate what we call Easter all during this time period. And it's on the Jewish calendar, our 360-day calendar. It's not on the Julian calendar, which is a 365-day calendar. That's why sometimes it happens in early March. Sometimes it can happen all the way to late April. And, And it is the first day of the month and it is the middle of the month. And so in our own calendar, that comes up different times he says for seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses since whoever eats what is leavened that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel whether he is a stranger or a native of the land and remember God saying I'm not a discerner of men I don't choose one over the other everybody if you're going to follow me everybody's got to walk through the same process you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings You shall eat unleavened bread. And for me, it is important to see that there has to be a season where you cut yourself off from the flesh. And I've had those seasons, and I think those seasons are great times for you. Now, you're going to have to be in the world and not of the world. So you're going to have to be able to be around the world at some point in time and not indulge your flesh because we're we're the light to the world. We're the hope that the world has. And so we got to be out there doing those things, but before you do those things, you have to be strong enough to not be able to indulge your flesh. And the only way for that to happen is there has to be a season where you learn to totally reject the flesh and chase after the spirit. And uh, now in in the middle ages, you had monks doing that all the time, but see, they were not in the world. So they really weren't changing about anything. They were trying to totally cut themselves off from sin. And that doesn't work either. You've got to be a part of God's work in the world because that's where the power comes in. The power comes in when we're obedient by faith in the world that we live in. And there has to be a season of separation, but there also has to be a season of walking in it and walking in the full power of it in the world that we live in. And uh, I know that's going to be the case for you. I know that if God's called you by His name, He is He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, and He will. He'll complete it, and He'll bring it to its fullness. And you have to trust Him that He will. You have to expect that He's going to. And I know He is for you. And this process of removing sin for your life from your life is a lifelong process. It's a guide. It's a God thing and not a you thing. And I expect that he's going to do that for you, and he's going to give you the very best of his hand. And if you'll expect that, you'll get it. And I promise you, life is going to be at its very best in those days. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.